Hi, I'm Dr. Kyla, paediatric dietitian, fussy eating specialist, and mum of two. I'm the founder of the online Mealtimes memberships that help parents just like you experience a confident and guilt-free way of feeding children. I'm also a business owner, a hot cross bun lover, and my superpower is finding things that you cannot live without. In this podcast, I'm talking about feeding your family, along with a random selection of topics that tickle my fancy. Welcome to Mealtimes with Dr. Kyla. Hello and welcome to Mealtimes with Dr. Kyla. Today's guest is Jono Steedman, accredited practicing dietitian and founder of Bite Me Nutrition. Jono is one of my favorite dietitians on Instagram. He's funny, he's highly experienced, and he's not afraid to call out nutrition misinformation or just general rubbish that he sees online. Following him is highly entertaining and informative, and I was super interested to hear about his experience of feeding his kids because I know he's had some mindset shifts along the way. So let's do this. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Jono. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Let's get started with the entree. So for those of you who have listened to a few examples of um, my podcast so far, this is about my guest's experience of mealtimes as a kid. So maybe, Jono, if you can tell me a little bit about mealtimes in your household when you were growing up. Yeah. Uh, firstly, love the entree main dessert. <laughs> so good. Every, any food pun, I'm here for. Um I was super lucky growing up and I don't think it was until I started working in the nutrition space that I realized just how lucky I was with uh, how I was exposed to food growing up. Uh, Lots of food variety, uh, lots of fresh food, lots of different colors. We grew up on five acres, which is like a nice amount of land. So there was a little bit, we grew some veggies, grew some fruits and things. I wasn't homeschooled. Not that there's anything wrong with homeschooled, but I I was going to say, this sounds like, sounds like it's leading that direction. Didn't grow up in Byron Bay. Again, nothing against Oh, there you go. Outside of that, went to a state primary school. Um, so, but but there was just a bit of, you know, we'd go and pick some fruits and veggies and we're always cooking with those. But also, you know, I don't recall there being, you know, we had, you know, sugary desserts and we had, you know, quote unquote treat foods. We had all of those sorts of things. I don't think I had Maccas till I was in high school, um, which is a bit disappointing, but it's okay. I'm making up for it now. But <laughs> outside of that, um, yeah, just really... Um, lots of cooking. I was, you know, I'd have to cook a meal a couple of times per week. As I got older, I was always involved in the, the cooking. Mum and dad both cooked and just, um, yeah, like I said, very lucky. Dad was a PE teacher. Both mum and dad were pretty active and into health and nutrition anyway. And somehow I think they dodged most of the <laughs> terrible food messaging that, that came out in that time, or at least they didn't amazing. pass it on to me. Yeah. yeah that's so, amazing, yeah. really. That time it was so pervasive, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, hey, mum and dad, if you're listening, they've got a few questionable nutrition books on their bookshelf at the moment. But overall, we, uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I didn't really realize it at the time because I think like most people, you just kind of think your upbringing is normal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, having worked in nutrition and, and being exposed to what a lot of other people have, like the food messages they've been exposed to, it's made me more and more grateful that my parents have, yeah, set me up with that pretty fortunate foundation. There's not a lot of unlearning that you've had to do. No, not at all. Like I said, I had to seek out, you know, McDonald's by myself. Yeah. But um, what a challenge that outside, must have been, really. I, it was, you know, it's been a burden, but I, I've worked through it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, honestly, <laughs> so boring. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember mum and dad cooking. I remember me being involved in cooking. I remember there, like, always just a, a nice mix of home cooked. It was probably a lot of home cooked things. I don't remember too many things from packets i remember we had like dad would make homemade juice with the juicer and you know all those sorts of things but what was um, your like, go-to honestly, as a kid when you were cooking what was your signature dish god i can't remember i remember like a few signature signature dishes of my parents what were they um uh sausage mum made a very mean sausage casserole it was so good um i keep trying to get the recipe off there uh it was amazing i've tried to replicate it and have just not even got close since. So that was pretty awesome. Um, dad was big into curries, is big into curries. Yep. Um, which I was, again, very lucky. Yeah, just like, but like, and then we'd have, you know, white fish with some lime fish sauce, Thai kind of dressing. And then we'd have apricot chicken and then we'd 
of sausage, yeah, apricot chicken sausage casserole. All of the, all of the uh, eighties and nineties Australian. <laughs> yeah, my mum had the cake book as well. Oh you know, yeah, the, the uh, Woman's Day. Was it Woman's Day? Woman's Weekly cake. Woman's Weekly. So yeah, each year we we pick a cake out of that, of course. Um, so yeah, just it's really lucky. Would you say that you were quite an adventurous eater as a kid, or were you more of a fussy eater? Definitely adventurous. I like. I don't. I can't recall any stories of me being picky. Um, I there's pretty much nothing I won't eat now, um, and I don't think I ever kind of had. But myself and my sister, I've got a sister, uh, younger sister. We're both pretty, pre- pretty broad, and I don't recall there ever being anything. Um, I remember hearing about a story where I, apparently I almost put Sizzler out of business because kids eat free. Um, <laughs> at, if, if anyone remembers Sizzler, are they still around? Oh, well, I think they're gone. Hey, a few years ago, yeah. last one. I yeah. think they're all gone, which is a shame. That cheese toast, but, um, like, oh. oh. And the potato scallops or potato skins, far the potatoes out. But, yeah, my so... tricky foods. I would never have eaten the potatoes, but I was into the soft serve ice cream <gasps> and the make your own Ooh, yeah, that, that, that was a, a big one for me. Mm, yeah, bring <laughs> Sizzler back. But, yeah, no, um, by all reports, I ate everything and had a, had a huge appetite and... <laughs> That hasn't changed. Ooh, there you know. go. And that kind of brings us to then the main section when we're thinking about your experience as a parent, so raising mm. two kids. What yes, kind of yes, your I... time's like in your household now? Yeah, so I have a three-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And overall, we're doing pretty well. I think, again, pretty fortunate with my kids aren't overly fussy. Um, you know, we try and <laughs> this, is, this is not a... Uh, a planned segment, uh, but absolutely, uh, you know, a lot of the things I've learned from from your content around, you know, same food, same time, um, you know, and and just making sure that I'm not hung up on how much of something they eat or whether or not they eat certain things, but just making sure that continually just sort of exposing them to those foods. And I think doing all of those things and, and again, just the fact that m- myself and my partner's diet is very broad. Um, the kids kind of had no choice <laughs> growing up. Still growing up, and so we certainly have staples, and we have meals that they prefer, and meals that are always questionable. And so I try and time the questionable meals for earlier in the week, and try and keep the safer meals for sort of the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday nights. Um, we certainly didn't eat together enough as a family, probably in the first year or two, just with my business and you know my wife working and kid life. Um, I think in those for very adults. first years, though, isn't it? Like totally, baby, yeah. maybe going to bed earlier or eating a bigger meal in the day. It is really tricky to establish that kind of same food, same time. Then, hundred percent, the yeah, and yeah, yeah, and and I think I we used dinner as a bit of a. Um, that was the <laughs> the finish line. Like I'd collapse on the couch or collapse in bed with dinner, and that meant I was done for the day. And so having dinner at six with the kids, and then I'm not done for the day, was a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> um, and I just kind of I naturally prefer to eat later, you know. And so, what about now with kids? What time do you tend to eat dinner? Um, about six six thirty. So we try and do baths first, probably mostly because the transition from dinner to bath was. Uh, sending us all to an early grave so we do baths first and use dinner as a bit of a carrot to get them in and out of the showers and the baths um, and then it also meant that yeah yeah and it meant you know when they take 90 minutes to eat dinner <laughs> at least they've already showered you know <laughs> so and and then it meant that i could naturally eat dinner a little bit later rather than yeah. like 5 five thirty. um so yeah i mean both my kids are reasonably unfussy mashed potato just potato in general actually which i find i don't know that was not what i thought was going to be normal i thought potato was like a core food group for kids see i feel them with myself potato has never been a preferred food for me see this i was like close to getting a dna test when (laughs) when they didn't like potato because it's like yeah although my wife's british so she loves potato as well so i don't know where these kids came from but like even hot chips like we'd get fish, every, anytime we get fish and chips, we'd get fish and chips, some calamari and a salad, and they would destroy the fish, the calamari and the salad, and then not touch the chips. So I don't know what's going on there. But, I, um, I like it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the classics, spaghetti, um, you know, all of those sorts of all in together dishes, wraps, anything that you can put in a wrap, they're a huge fan, or pizza, you know, especially I think they're both definitely at the age where they're quite capable of building their own wraps and building their own pizza. Um, 
and I'm sure this is not news to too many people, but if you engage the kids in said dinners <laughs> and making of it, they're going to eat way more of it. So we've been doing a lot of those sorts of things, which has been been really fun. And I think it's encouraged my daughter. I think my daughter hit a bit of a picky phase in the last sort of 12 months, not crazy picky, but things she was eating, she sort of stopped eating. And just by getting her involved in making her own dinner a little bit more and just leaving those things as options, she started to include them again more frequently, which has been pretty cool. Do you think um, that coincided is, with school for you guys? Uh, actually, yeah, probably. Now that good, yeah, it's you, you. Do you know a few things about this? I feel right, like you're I, quite, yeah, I kind yeah. of there, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yeah, so she's grade one this year. So, which is, so we do prep then grade one, which I think you guys do. You kind of, yes, we're the same. So last year was five okay. days of school a week. Yeah. Yeah, she was like uniform teacher, five days. Like she was essentially, she was still at school. So yeah, yeah. So this is like her second year of school. Um, yeah, and yeah, no, you're okay. Cool. Did you find it with yours? Did definitely, yeah. It? And I think what we see, like with I've worked in a clinic for a number of years, and I don't now, but almost all kids have periods when life gets hard that something goes backwards. And for kids, it can really commonly be eating. Like they get more kind mm. of specific about how something needs to taste or how it needs to look or just like by the time they get home for dinner after a day of school and they're five, they're just wrecked. And so there's a sense of control around saying I'm not going to eat that or I'm, I only want it with cheese and I don't want this thing that, you know, feels a bit weird today. And it's hard not to fall into a pattern, I think, for lots of families to kind of come down on that to, to try and, you know, fix it in the moment but I think you do find if you can ride it out and you can give them options you can give them that sense of choice that actually things write themselves on their own when they're more settled and when they're kind of more accustomed to full-time school and all of the things like you'll find by the end of term often eating can go backwards and then it gets better over the holidays and then it gets worse again in term Mm, yeah I think for me that is a lot of unlearning (laughs) Uh, just in terms of you know um it's kind of counter to me it's counterintuitive the whole no you need to eat that you need to keep eating that you were eating that um rather than just going oh okay well that's your choice like not even not even acknowledging and saying that's your choice because that sounds so passive aggressive um yeah. but internally <laughs> saying <you> that <laughs> yeah yeah internally saying that and just giving um, my daughter the space to make that decision and um it's definitely been i'm very glad for the external voices that have been teaching me that sort of stuff to give my daughter the space to, it sounds so dumb, but just to remember that she's a little human, yeah. like treat her like a human, like, you know, you love them and you do anything, like, them, but yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think you forget, you can forget to be like, yeah, kids have bad days too. You know, like I'm such a grump. I have bad days all the time, but for some reason my kids aren't allowed to have them. Like that's yeah. not fair. So do you think I being mean, a dietitian <laughs> makes that harder? In a way, like when you're feeding your own kids, do you think there's a challenge that like you kind of feel a responsibility to have them eat healthily or eat in a particular way? Um, I think, again, being so fortunate with my exposure to food growing up and then just how I relate to food and how I would like my clients, my adult clients to relate to food. I've always been a all foods fit. You know, I know it's a bit, it's a bit of a naff statement, but I think it's true. You know, my, my logo is literally a burger. So like, I think that has seeped into the way I fed my kids in that, like, I know they don't need to hit five serves of veggies and two serves of fruit every day at the moment, you know, um, or every day for the rest of their life. Like I know it's habits over time. And I know that their relationship with food is probably the most important thing, not their like nutritional intake. Now, obviously like with certain medical conditions and nutrient deficiencies and things. And we're fortunate to not have to manage that sort of stuff. That's different. But I just think on like a general, I'm more interested in my kids' relationship with food than my kids, you know, palate at the moment, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I agree with from that. what you I've are. been hearing and reading, that's, that's, I'm on the right track, fortunately. You are smack bang in the middle of the right track, yeah. I, and I, I think that's something Excellent. that gets overlooked quite a lot. Like I do think, Society-wise, and we'll probably get into this in the next section as well, that like we are managing nutrient intakes. People are calculating numbers around their diet and 
when you do that, you lose sight of the bigger picture, right? The relationship with food, what that's going to mean for them as an adult, how free they feel around food, all of those things get caught up if you're trying to kind of maximize their nutrient intake at every meal. 100%. And I think like with anyone who's had experience with kids knows the harder you push, the harder they dig in their heels, right? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's much easier to, ironically, it's actually easier to kind of let them do their thing. And yeah. I've definitely noticed the shift in my daughter finishing half a cookie and being like, ah, oh, I'm good. I'll come back to this. And me just being like, what is happening? You know, yeah. like what? Um, but like proof that but obviously, you know, and I know everyone's journey to get to that point and not everyone will necessarily get to that point with their kids, but, you know, moving in that direction was, so was pretty, yeah, it was pretty, pretty chuffed. Do you guys have any specific kind of routines or traditions that you do at mealtimes with the kids? Um, we've started getting them to set the table, which has been good. We've only lost two plates. So, so far, wow. so good. Um, yeah, I know, I know. Well, I think I, I'm very careful with what the three-year-old can take over. Uh, my three-year-old son is like, he looks like he's four, maybe even five. He's flipping huge. Um, and everything they say about boys was right. I remember <laughs> thinking like, nah, that's all nurture. No, 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 not my, you know, we won't buy him trucks or dinosaurs unless he wants them. We'll just be like, whatever he wants, he can have. And holy. Very wow. different. Anyway, he's so, he's so different. Um, but yeah, so we get them to set the table. Um, like I said, we've we've started to do a lot more build your own dinners, which has been really awesome. Um, this is we. <laughs> this is uh, I'm I'm face. I, I, we're trying to do one thing that you're grateful for. Um, mm -hmm. Go around the table and ask around that, which makes me feel a little bit sick when I say that. But it's been good, you know. Um, it's really I'm fun to do at, with kids. They come up with some great ones. Um, <laughs> so so that's been cool um that's sort of the main yeah those would be the main routines i would say um and then uh yeah we've got some signature dishes that they always ask for um so what's the winner fish tacos yeah. fish tacos is an absolute winner i get the bird's eye lightly battered hokey i get a uh, bag yeah. of just i just a normal bag of coleslaw most of the time i try and get coleslaw without sauce and then i add my own coleslaw sauce i buy i throw that in the air fryer i get mission wraps we get lime and i can have that on the table in literally 12 minutes and the kids like will smash two um right. and make their own and ask for it almost every night so that's not going anywhere anytime soon those hokey <laughs> well, they're you know, good i love those oh they're so good they're, they're just the lightly battered ones are just great balance of of crunch but fish so those are those are winners at the moment and then yeah we can still do the same they they you know use the tongs themselves to build their own own tacos and so yeah do you guys plan your menu ahead of time or are you on the fly kind of family yeah no i i have to i have to i, I would like to be on the fly but it's just not doable with like if i want to get everything done from a family and business sort of perspective especially last year i was sort of full-time full-time dadding last year with taxiing and lunches and, and all that sort of stuff and to do that plus business plus sanity had to plan it out and it just sort of fallen into that routine so for the most part menu or you do it each um that, that would be smart uh but <laughs> <laughs> yeah i kind of just do it on the fly to be honest i mean part of my job is talking to people about food all day so there's definitely influence there where someone will go yeah i had a green curry last night and my brain's like i need green curry this week so yeah. um it's a little bit flexible on that front but um i think we've probably just got our um We've probably got a pool of ideas of maybe, I don't know, 15 to 20 different ones. And then also I'm fortunate in that I've got a recipe database that we use for clients with like hundreds of recipes. So if I'm ever stuck, I just sort of dive into that and, and pull one out. But That's um, yeah, scanning the family yeah. recipes as well. Like, what will we have? To totally. <laughs> yeah. I try and do a few of like spaghetti one week to freeze half to have a quick meal next week. You know, I'll try and always do like one of those or two of those meals a week. So um, there's a bit of... I'm not literally cooking from scratch every single night. Yes. But, you know, best laid plans and all that. Yeah, I always have great intentions. We'll see. <laughs> Is there anything... Looks so good you... on paper. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything that your kids don't eat, like will not eat, despite it being kind of offered regularly? Uh, yeah, mashed mash potato. Actually, yeah, 
mashed potato, roast potato. They will sometimes have hot chips, but yeah, the mashed potato or the roast potato. Um, that's pretty much it, to be honest. My daughter doesn't like dried apricots, but obviously, you know, <laughs> we've been able to work around that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I know. That's It's kind of just that. There's a few like specific foods that they don't like, um, you know, specific sorts of crackers that my son likes that my daughter doesn't like or vice versa. But yeah, we're like, for the most part, there's no huge food groups that they won't, they won't eat, which pretty fortunate with. My son is obsessed with salad, which is wow, cool. At three, <laughs> that is pretty impressive. Uh, he's, for, he's been, yeah, for like at least a year. Whereas my daughter, like she'll, she'll sort of take it or leave it depending on the night, but he will, we, we used to, um, in winter, we'll, I'll drag the fire pit out into the backyard and we'd always have sausages and bread and a salad and sit around the fire and um he would eat like two bites of his sausage and bread and then like fill up on salad <laughs> which wow. i found odd but i um, mean to be fair yeah. that is odd and if you are listening to this podcast like, <laughs> yeah. what magic has jono done here like he just no, no, no. very very 100 percent. <laughs> won the lotto i did nothing about that <laughs> how funny do you think yeah. the potato thing is a texture preference like is it the kind of mushy takes over your mouth in your cheeks kind of vibe yeah probably they don't eat too much i mean they're obsessed with yogurt and fruit which i don't know if that's sort of it's no, not really mushy, it is to it? Be like no yeah less stodgy mm. no they don't really other than like i guess bread uh they don't really have too many other things that are like they, they like rice and pasta yeah. um so yeah i i, I do think it's a, a texture thing and you know as maybe they'll come through it and maybe they won't you know potatoes are amazing and nutritious but there's plenty of other places they can find those nutrients yeah it definitely is a texture thing for me personally and i yeah been like that since a child i've gotten better over what about like a hash brown no god no never wow. i just feel like nah there's nothing in it i mean brown. i would love to split a breakfast um barbecue with you then yeah like, my husband does enjoy an extra hash brown hash browns. <laughs> at a brunch amazing <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah there you go and anything that you find particularly hard about food or meal times as a parent or not really oh definitely the i've just spent 30 to 45 minutes cooking and there's the meltdown about usually it's not fish tacos that's the issue <laughs> um like geez i'm so glad i planned that meal shopped for that meal cooked that meal for you um <laughs> you know uh that's and i that doesn't get easier, I don't think. Um, you probably get better at taking deep breaths, but that's definitely the biggest one. I think also, um, selfishly, your enjoyment of the meal is impacted because they finish first yeah. or they get down a hundred times and you're trying to eat and you're trying to chew your meal properly and you're trying to swallow and not get indigestion and all of those sorts of things. So. Um, those are probably the two two biggest things. I, I think definitely initially the pressure of them not finishing or not eating certain things was around, but um, fortunately, you know, came across again, not intending on doing a, a plug, but absolutely, you know, the content um, coming out, it just sort of resonated with like, like I said, my adult approach to food. I was like, oh, this is kind of how to apply it to kids. Um, and so it's been a while since the kids not eating certain things or not eating enough has been a problem. It definitely was at the beginning, um, but now it's more, more probably just, um, yeah, they're melting down because I, you know, that lasagna that I cooked from scratch is not good enough. Um, it's not <laughs> fish tacos. I told you this. <laughs> Look, yeah, mate, you I, can, I don't know what, yeah. You can be as lovely about me on the podcast as you like any old time. I'll invite <laughs> if you're going to keep throwing um, free plugs in there. It did make me think that one of the things I'm so grateful for in my role is just how little mental energy or stress I have to expend thinking about feeding my kids. Like it just doesn't oh. worry me, stress me, and I just know so many families that that just takes up so much of their brain space and so much kind of worry. Like it just feels really when you've got those resources you trust them you feel confident in what you're doing it just takes so much of that pressure off yourself as well as your kids don't you think yeah i i think that was probably the biggest 
Well, the first shift was the pressure off me and then very quickly realizing, oh, this is actually so much better for them too. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that's been nice. It's been very nice. And, and like I said, I probably didn't, I didn't experience like three or four years of fighting my kids at dinner time. Um, it was a very short blip and kind of um, very quickly into, well, okay, they're going to leave that. That's fine. I'll serve it up tomorrow night and, you know, so with safe food, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, no. definitely have been, been very fortunate on that front. <laughs> Love it. All right, now it gets to the kind of good bit, the juicy dessert. So when I um, told some friends and colleagues that you were coming on the podcast, lots of people very delighted to hear from you. Um, love watching your stories. Obviously, they like the singing. Personally, I um, love some of your song creation. Um, but also because a lot of them said that you're someone who's not afraid to call out the rubbish that you see online. And before we started recording this, I was talking to a colleague, a very senior colleague, who was telling me about a podcast she listened to, which is by a well-known crank. And I couldn't believe that she listened to this podcast and found it helpful. And it kind of really made me think, you know, there's so much misinformation out there. If even dietitians are struggling to tell, you know, what's real and what's not, how can this, you know, possibly be doable for, you know, everybody else? Um, and I guess we've had lots of conversations over the years about some of our frustrations about, you know, the misinformation that we've seen shared on Instagram and just, you know, generally in the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, that's a long introduction to this kind of topic, but what's your biggest current frustration or trend that's kind of driving you wild in the moment with frustration? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> There's too many to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to get the ukulele while I yeah. answer this question, by the way, or can I just... If you do not sing talk? an answer to this question, I will be devastated forevermore. Oh, I'm going to have to uh, prepare you for some devastation. I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can maybe get the toy piano, actually. It's just behind me. No, I will not do that, too. No, actually, no. Um, side question. How long does it take mm. you to make a song and record it? Uh, look, I am very lazy, so I don't chip away at things. It either happens very quickly or it doesn't happen. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the song will be sitting half finished in my notes section for, so I recently did an ABBA song, which had been sitting in my notes for like 12 months. Um, and I was like missing a line and I was just waiting for that line to kind of come to me. And then it came to me and I probably waited another three months before I recorded it. Um, and I'm very much a one take. Yeah, same. That will do pig, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So pretty quick to, to be honest so you're a which, legit songwriter like things drop into your head little lines i'm impressed look future my uh, future my past self i was a music teacher i was in a band i no toured a little yeah yeah so not like, tour like, a little. like anyone can tour you just drive to sydney and melbourne and stuff and we flew to I, we played a we played a show in perth uh oh, so where you know, at there you go do you remember um, i can't even remember it was a festival it was like on the water kind of is there like a Park ground, parkland. I mean, I asked the, that. I'm not a festival in the person, bay? so I'd be no use to you in identifying it. This is like over, oh man, over like 10 plus years ago. Yeah, so plus, even plus. then, I wasn't cool so, enough to go to festivals. So. Anyway, yeah, back well, to the I was main. only going if I was playing. Yes, so <laughs> uh, look, there's, I'll pick two. I'll pick two. Please. Um, well, because they are kind of overlapping a lot at the moment. And probably number one is this whole um, fixation on blood glucose, blood oh, sugar, and spikes, and all of these sorts of phrases um and uh can i can i name names absolutely um, great okay i try as much as possible this is something definitely i've changed over the last little while shoot the message not the messenger right yeah. like for the most part try and attack the idea dismantle the idea explain why it's wrong not necessarily be like this person is an idiot because that doesn't really help anyone um so <laughs> he said yeah <laughs> but uh glucose goddess in the bin i tell you um and just She's just unfortunately spawned a whole heap of, of copycats and uh, so many just copycats. people fixated, so many copycats, just yeah. fixated on this blood glucose thing. And I, I get it because it sounds so sciencey. It sounds so um, biohacky data manipulation kind of, you know, if you're a numbers person, then, oh boy, do we have numbers for you? And, um, and I am a numbers person. I like, my idea of a good night is, you know, a beer and a spreadsheet. So I get it, but, jeez. Oh, anyway, 
I think I'm married. Uh, but with... going on here. I'm impressed. Give us some context about the glucose goddess and if somebody hasn't heard of her before, yeah. what's her general vibe? So her, her focus is on the impact that uh, meals and certain foods can have on your blood sugar after a meal um, and how high that's quote unquote blood sugar spikes. And she's obsessed with stopping those spikes and bringing those spikes down because she says that um, if you repeatedly spike your blood sugar, uh, that will lead to diabetes and inflammation and, and I think pretty much everything. I, I think yeah. at this point she's kind of linked it to. to um, and it's just not what we see in the literature. Like yeah. we, we know that blood glucose is important and we know that, you know, repeatedly dramatic elevations in blood sugar over time aren't great. Um, but we also know that if you've eaten a meal with carbohydrate in particular, your blood sugar is supposed to go up. That's what it does. And then it comes back down and you carry on with your life and you're, you're totally fine. Um, and your body and uses that for fuel and your brain, it, right? 100%. That's, your, that's like the only fuel your brain can use is glucose as far as I'm aware. Like maybe it yeah. can do a little bit of fatty acid, but like not much, right? So yeah. it's just, it's, it's essentially, and I think the main fear is it's, it's an, maybe not an eating disorder, but it is absolutely disordered eating 100%. in disguise, right? Yeah. You get your, people would not eat fruit or like, you know, carbohydrate at all or you know they wouldn't eat those foods unless they've had their vinegar 20 minutes before or um <laughs> they unless they, they've got to eat their salad first or they got to move afterwards and i think the thing that frustrates me about her is like a lot of those things those are legitimate strategies for certain people in specific situations yeah. right but she's taken that and she's manipulated that and to the, the best way i can think of it is she's telling everyone to take panadol in case they get a headache right? Yeah. Rather than, oh, you got a headache? Take some Panadol. Um, and and you got a that's headache that's because you didn't take your Panadol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, maybe if you had some apple cider vinegar, you'd be okay. But it just, I think it's, and, and a lot of people that come back will be like, oh, but you know, is it really causing any harm? You know, she's getting these people to focus on that. And it is that relationship with food peace and the fear of these foods that absolutely, like, people like, the glucose goddess don't deal with those people five years yeah. later 10 years later when that person hasn't eaten bread for five years because or they don't eat bread for a few weeks and then they eat a whole loaf of sourdough because they've been restricting and then they feel you know like they've failed and there's shame and guilt all of these really healthy emotions and so yeah i think that that's that's probably my main bugbear at the moment it's just the low carb diet thing packaged up in a different way uh, yeah, definitely. And everything comes in, in cycles, right? Like there's Atkins and there's keto. I think glucose goddess and her disciples are the latest kind of low carb zealots. And, and there'll be, I don't know, maybe in five years, there'll be someone else. There'll be another cycle of low carb people. Yeah. Just sucks. Because she's describing like a normal part of your body's functioning as a problem. And if you yeah. don't know that it's not a problem, like it looks legit right like those things are happening but actually that's what's meant to happen 100 percent. we were chatting about this earlier that's what makes people like her so dangerous because um like i made the joke before about i had someone ask me about hydrogen water um and there's certain wellness trends where i like just like oh like come on like, Rubbish. why are you falling for that that's ridiculous you know um not that i want to bl necessarily blame people for falling for certain but there are certain times where i'm like really like I've got some magic beans to sell you. But yeah. when it comes to like people like the glucose goddess, they take a pearl of truth. They take yeah. legitimate science, but then they just bend it and warp it and misrepresent it. And so I can absolutely understand why someone who hasn't spent four and a half years studying nutrition full time, because um, fair enough, um, why they would be confused or taken in by that kind of rhetoric. Yeah, and I feel like people like that aren't, like, abiding by moral codes. Do you know they're not following the rules around how you can talk about these things or understanding and interpreting the science? Like, it is very cherry-picked and then fear-based and scaremongering, and those things, like, affect people. They they make you worried about these things, and so then you change your, your habits from fear, and it's not even true. I, that, I just, so frustrating. Yeah. And just the confidence with which I think she can I talk know. about these sorts of things when she has zero, and I say she, but just these people in this space, yeah. right? Like it would be like me really confidently talking about, I don't know, 
exercise and resistance, you know, like programming and things because I did a subject at uni and I kind of work in the health space and it's all the same. Um, you know, like well, she's a biologist like aerodynamics, or something. Because I went on a plane once. Like, why, why don't you? That would be a really good space for you to enter <laughs> into, I think. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I feel, I feel like nutrition gets the, the short end of the stick though because everyone eats, everyone has an experience with food. So everyone feels like they've got I don't know, something to say. And I think nutrition gets regarded as a bit of a quote unquote soft science. Um, hence why you get lots of doctors giving recommendations, lots of personal trainers giving recommendations and all manner of other health professionals giving nutrition advice that they absolutely should not be giving. But yeah, anyway. So now that oh, now that's the up. first one, I'm going to ask you, <laughs> if we can come back to the second one. Now that you've named her, are we going to be inundated with followers of these people uh, i don't know for the for the most part no i don't think i mean she's got like three and a half million followers um and anytime i like um will put a post up about people of that size i i get a few of their followers who tag them as if they're gonna like i don't know dox me or something like, <laughs> you clearly don't know how instagram works they would not even see that notification but you know thanks for trying but no no it's usually kind of the mid-sized accounts i've occasionally had people set on me which is I mean, five years ago, it probably would have destroyed me, but I'm much better at, you know, you caring about it? important people. Um, look, I know it sounds very, uh, not arty party, airy fairy. I did absolutely the first few years on Instagram, like I would let a post or a comment like ruin my day and I would yeah. be grumpy all night with my, like, with my partner. Um, and just, and then I just caught myself and like, you don't even know who this person is. Like, why do you, so I've just worked really hard at like, if I don't care about that like i care about the person's people's opinions who yep. uh, they're close to me you know my friends my family my clients and outside of that i just i'm i i'm really glad and happy to say i truly don't care um yeah. it's not just a front which is good because it has meant that you know there has been a few times where i've got a um an album of saved mean comments um that i'm going to do something with at some point and I can, I, like, I just genuinely get a bit of a chuckle out of it. So, yeah, I, I haven't had too many terrible experiences on that front. I definitely think that I'm a, I'm a young, white, middle-aged, uh, English-speaking, tertiary-educated male. Uh, so I'm definitely kind of protected from that to a degree. I'm sure I know a lot of other accounts who haven't won privilege bingo like I have definitely get you know, like I like even just gender, right? Like I know a lot of female dietitians cop way worse messages than I do. And I say things way worse than they do. Like as in my posts are a lot more inflammatory than they are. So there's, yeah, I, I definitely think I'm protected a little bit in that front. Um, Interesting, isn't so. it? I, I think personally, I, for a long time, tried to convince other people, like those who, like I would argue back trying to be, um, professional or evidence professional and evidence-based in my answers and I was like actually these people aren't looking for another way they just want to tell me that I'm wrong and so like I'm wasting my air even trying to engage with that like I'm confident in the science I'm confident in what I'm talking about I'm not putting something out there that's doubtful so you can actually just brush those people off and like, I feel a bit bad for them. Like, well, I'm really sorry that you're stuck in this wild ride of having to buy all these expensive supplements and having to, you know, deal with all this stuff when I don't have that. So sucks to be you. That's my kind of approach now. Oh, totally. And I think it comes back to the like, well, their opinion isn't that important to me. So I'm not going to waste my time and energy trying to convince them. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here for the fence sitters yeah. and the confused people. Oh, sorry for the helicopter, everybody. Oh, I was um, say, you know, just popping into your I'm, private chopper. Just being invaded, uh, you know, Instagram pays pretty well. Um, big, big farmer. <laughs> uh, my big farmer check big came through yesterday, so yeah, yeah big, big food. bread, uh, big grain, big grain, big oh. legume. Um, but no, I, I think lost my train of thought. Then what was big I legume. About? No, yeah, fence sitters. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm there for the people that do are genuinely curious and aren't sure and do want to learn. Um, and absolutely happy to chat with them for ages. But yeah, I'm not going to try and you know, talk someone down from their hill. Yeah, and I think personally I've seen people who have 
like learnt and really believe in things that you say and other kind of um, credentialed people online. And I do think that does make a difference. Like probably only in the last five years have we had dietitians and other health professionals really in this social media space doing cool stuff rather than just, you know, showing up sometimes or a bit ad hoc. I feel like this is a new era for us as a, as a bunch of professionals too. And I do think that is benefiting the world. Unfortunately, there is also a lot of these really big accounts spreading this information. So it's an ongoing battle. What's your other kind of current trend or current frustration that you see out there? Uh, personalized nutrition. Yeah. Okay. The DNA, getting a DNA test or getting a microbiome, like a stool test or yeah. a, a gut bacteria test. Um, and then sending that data away and then getting a diet that is personalized to your individual genetics and, and DNA. Um, and it's not that I think that concept is ridiculous. I, I think in, I don't actually know, 30 years, maybe 50 years, um, we will actually start to be able to make maybe some more specific recommendations around someone's genetics. Um, but it's being pushed hard at the moment as this new, you know, frontier of nutrition. Um, you said I could name names. So Zoe or Zoe, whatever they are, that company is, is really big on it. Of course, they're plugged in with continuous glucose monitors. So they too can talk about your glucose spikes. And it's just wild to me because we've got studies, like actual big studies showing uh, the basically the, the recommendations people get from their personalized nutrition plan by sending away bodily fluids and paying $500 or whatever they pay, they don't outperform government dietary guidelines, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the personalized nutrition is eat some fruit, make sure you get mm. enough fiber, you know? And it's like, wow, great. I'm so glad you paid so much money for that. So it, it frustrates me because it definitely preys on the worried well, you know, people who are probably doing fine <laughs> yeah. or probably just need to eat some more fruits and vegetables, move a bit more, you know, and obviously I know that everyone's different and the accessibility to those sorts of things is going to be different, but you certainly don't need to go get a personalized nutrition test to elevate your health. Yeah. Um, and I think it just places yet another perceived barrier in the way of getting healthy. You know, there's this, you know, be like, oh, well, I mean, I could eat a few more fruits and vegetables, but what I really should be doing is, you know, if I cared about my health, would be getting this personalized test mm -hmm. so I could really, you know, build a proper diet. I guess, I guess I'll just have to, you know, be unhealthy. And I also, so, I just yeah. wonder what they're actually personalizing to the extent, like there is no evidence that, do you know, what you send away in your poo when you put it in the mail to these people, like that we're actually able to manipulate numbers or data at this point right that if your poo has x number of this that you should be having more of this like we actually don't have that evidence so like is it just made up do you think i think it's just it's based on very preliminary very early days data that is like massively a correlation you know yeah. of like oh well, we saw this vague relationship between these two factors so i'm going to make a nutrition recommendation on that whereas yeah. I am definitely, and I think a lot of us are more of like, oh, I would like to see a little bit more hard data yeah. before I change a nutrition recommendation. So, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's like what? the fancier version of like hair testing, right? Like that kind of had its time. And this is like the next wave, as we were kind of talking about before, everything in cycles. Like it's just repackaged yeah. kind of scams again and again at this point. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I think it's preying on people's uh, feelings of inadequacy or feeling like they're, you know, they're guilt around, I should be doing more for my health or yeah. health needs to be complicated to be yeah, good or better. And yeah, just, you know, and I, again. Be interested to see the um, dropout rates in these kind of things. Like, if oh, you totally. Yeah. Have an overhaul, a complete overhaul of your diet because of some random kind of investigation into your particular, you know, microbiome or whatever, that to expect people to change their habits so considerably and to maintain that, like all of the evidence we have is that that doesn't work for people. Like they just can't change everything about themselves in a, a short period of time and they don't need to. So it's frustrating that like people think they have to do this and then when they fail eventually because 
you can't you just can't follow somebody else's rules about eating all the time it's just like a recipe for disaster and it it's so unfair on them oh 100 percent. but then they can sell you the next thing so it's yeah. all right they'll be there for you uh with another <laughs> thing that will help you for six weeks yeah it's the uh, it's the age-old thing that blows my mind about diets and the diet industry in general is just like no one blames the diet right like yeah. no one would get a genetic dozo zoe so i should really know how to pronounce that uh and no one would do that fall off the bandwagon and blame the diet yeah. right it would be their fault it would be they couldn't stick to it they weren't disciplined enough they weren't whatever enough um which is wild to me i've made a joke before of like imagine if i bought a new vacuum and then it broke i wouldn't be like oh I broke the vacuum. Yeah, you know, I didn't I'm use it right. It was too yeah, hard. Yeah, like, no, <laughs> a vacuum broke. This yeah. is not my problem. So, but anyhow, it's um, that's a whole other thing, I suppose. I know. I just think how much like money, time, and effort people could save just by like not engaging with those kinds of people. But it's hard when they have such convincing messaging, isn't it? It's a oh, their marketing is phenomenal. It's yeah. phenomenal. I mean, I I study it pretty closely because. Like I'm a pretty big, if you can't beat them, join them. Now, I don't mean I'm coming out with a personalized nutrition course or a supplement. <laughs> I'll have to scrap the episode, just, my friend. <laughs> yeah, no, and please do. Um, but I'm more just, I, I do think just as, this is a slight dietitian tangent, but I do think that we poo-poo in, uh, like influencers in those companies. Um, but then it's like, well, they're, they're doing something right they're in terms working, of who yeah. they're reaching and how they're reaching people. Like maybe we could take a leaf out of that book, maybe not the interventions or the products, but um, so, well, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, supplements, but yeah. 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 Like, so, so keep your ethics. Um, but I think somewhere, somewhere in the Venn diagram of ethical marketing and effective marketing, there is a, a middle ground. And so, yeah, that's what those companies kind of end up being anyway. They're just marketing machines. Like I think yeah. the glue coming back to glucose goddess, she's got a new supplement out and the ad copy and the, the uh, graphic design is stunning. It's so good. It looks like a, like an eighties magazine. I love it. It's phenomenal. And the, all of the copy is like all of the, you know, the words are so good and they've linked to studies which don't support the data at all, but it doesn't matter because it looks great. Um, so yeah. I'm impressed by that aspect of it, but please don't base your health decisions on. Yeah. Something pretty looks bottle. pretty. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's got me all riled up. I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for a run afterwards. You can fight with somebody. <laughs> Um, that brings us to the kind of petite fours section. So what, I said that wrong, petite fours. I don't know why I said petite, sorry. What is the- Is it petty? I would have said petite. There you go. I'm pretty sure it's cool. petty fours. Oh, I, I believe you. Now I I'm just, like questioning um, my own- my No, own no, 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 no. Petting, so. we, you won't remember this probably, but um, you you uh, attacked me for, I was saying thank you was one word. Oh, mate, I um, remember attacking and, you. I brought you into and, the... Oh, good. Yeah. And ever, ever since I'm like texting a friend and I'll be like, oh, no, thank you was two words, Dr. Kyla. said, uh, <laughs> like still living in my head, head rent free. But anyhow. <laughs> I'm glad you learned from that experience and grew from it. <laughs> um, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Mm, goldfish. <laughs> like straight from the bowl? No, 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 no. It was cooked. It was like, uh, I was in Indonesia and they cooked it. Like it was, it was, yeah, I was a grown up. I wasn't like a kid, you know, fishing a goldfish out of the bowl. Uh, yeah, that's really the weirdest thing. Is that something that is like regularly served in Indonesian cuisine? I think it's reasonably, I'm, I don't know, actually, I'm probably like, sorry if I've, I don't know. I was over there with a school trip. I was a, like a, not a teacher, but like supervisor. So yeah. I was allowed to eat the goldfish because the kids weren't allowed to eat the goldfish because the bones are like super fine. So you gotta be really careful not to like swallow it. Um, and so we, they were just like, no, kids can't eat it. Um, but yeah, wow. Did it taste it was, just like fish? Like you could put it in a fish tank? Pretty much. Yeah. You, <laughs> yes. Uh, it wasn't crumbed though. It wasn't lightly battered, unfortunately. But um, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit um, anticlimactic because I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to try this goldfish while I'm here. That'll be great. And then I was like, oh, it's, it's fish. It's a fish. Kind of tracks, I guess. Yeah, funny that. Um, mm -hmm. And finally, what's for dinner tonight in your house? Dinner tonight. We are going to go to the beach 
because um, we recently moved close to the beach, which is exciting. And so we're going to have a barbecue. So we're going to have sausages on the barbecue, uh, sausages in bread. Um, and I feel it is very important to mention that it will be white bread. The uh-huh. bread of choice in our house is multigrain. Uh, that's what the kids have for breakfast. That's what I would have if we're having toast. But sausages in multigrain bread is a sin. Uh, it is a, a mortal sin. Uh, if you're having a sausage in bread, it needs to be white bread. And so we'll be having sausages with white bread. And then we'll be having the... What does my mother-in-law call them? Obligatory vegetables. <laughs> Token it's, it's not obligatory. It's something. It's something like yeah. But we'll have cut up veg with dip. Um, and the kids will be free to eat or not eat that because that's what I've learned from Dr. Kyla. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> Speaking of the best, where can people find you? What's the best place to get in contact with you? Uh, Instagram is where I spend too much of my time at Jono J O N O Steedman S T W E D M A N. Um, otherwise, there's a bunch of stuff on our website, which is bitemenutrition.com.au, all one word. Uh, that's about it. I don't go anywhere else because mold and TikTok scares me, and Twitter oh. is, seems too serious, and I don't even know what LinkedIn is. So uh, those are the two places. Hundred percent. And people can see you online, yeah? You're for online consults. Yeah, yeah. So we are only online, actually, which is pretty cool. Uh, I don't have an office. So Australia-wide, I think we've even got some New Zealand people, got some Norwegian clients, Ooh. which is cool. I uh, just sort of happened. And um, But no, pre- predominantly um, Australia. Global. So yeah, uh, if, if you've got food problems and you're not a child, because if you're like under the age of 12, obviously <laughs> don't talk to me, right? Um, even, yeah. But uh, yeah, if you, if you uh, have some nutritional issues that you'd like to chat to myself or the team at um yeah hit me up on instagram send me an email we can even deal with your silly daylight savings time because you don't you guys don't do daylight savings do you we don't, we don't believe no. it <laughs> yeah because time is time right you can't just yeah. change it willy-nilly exactly Anyhow, i've come to terms with the fact that i will have to see people in those other states and that's okay too <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to talk to you. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. A huge thanks for tuning in and listening to my podcast. This is all brand new for me, so I'd love to hear your feedback. Give me a review or send me a DM. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And above all, I'd really love you to hit that subscribe button to keep listening. Thanks.